My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Wednesday the 31st of January. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. You're listening to our three-part special investigation on vaping. On Monday, we went from the tobacconist to the lab to find out what's actually in a vape. Then, in part two, we looked at the loopholes in the legislation and what's about to change. Today, in this final episode, we're going a bit deeper and looking at the role of big tobacco. If this is your first time listening to the podcast this week, I recommend going back and starting with Monday's deep dive. Before we jump into today's episode, today's headlines. As students begin the start of the school year this week, Federal Education Minister Jason Clare has declared the teacher shortage a crisis. Minister Clare told the ABC one in five new teachers will leave the profession within their first three years. That's if they graduate, of course. Clare noted just half of teaching students finish their degrees, facing challenges including unpaid placements. Sydney siders have been urged to avoid swimming in the harbour after a woman was bitten by a suspected bull shark. The woman was swimming near a wharf at Elizabeth Bay at dusk in the inner east when nearby neighbours came to her aid. A vet was able to bandage her leg before paramedics arrived. City of Sydney councillor Linda Scott urged the public to stay out of the harbour until further notice. Russian figure skater Kamila Velieva has been given a four-year ban from competing for using performance-enhancing drugs. The ban originates from doping results in December 2021, which came through at the 2022 Winter Olympics. Velieva, who was then aged 15, won gold with the Russian team at those games. This week, the Court of Arbitration for Sport upheld her ban, backdated to 2021. The World Anti-Doping Agency, or WADA, supported the ruling, saying the doping of children is unforgivable. And the good news. New research from the Australian National University, ANU, has found a protein in the immune system called Q70 that can help treat bowel cancer. The cancer-cooling protein, as it's called, can be activated with a combination of medications which can treat DNA and prevent cancer cells from spreading. Professor C. Ming Man from ANU said the Q70 protein can help, quote, predict who will fare better or worse after being diagnosed with bowel cancer. When it comes to vapes, we're living through a period of change. Where the government's trying to stop the tide of colourful, flavourful, disposable vapes flowing into the country. No more bubblegum flavours. No more pink unicorns. No more vapes deliberately disguised as highlighter pins. Last episode, we heard how this process of regulation isn't always easy. These manufacturers immediately shifted to change their packaging. But it's not just manufacturers pushing back against these reforms. The tobacco industry has always fought very hard against these sorts of regulations. In this episode, we're going to go a bit deeper and see what role big tobacco has to play. They can smell out a loophole and they push it open and make it into a door that they can waltz right through. From The Daily Oz, this is Understanding Vapes. Episode 3, The Forces Trying to Legalise Vaping. You may have seen the billboards or the ads that sound like this. 
Under Anthony Albanese's new recreational vape ban, jail sentences of up to two years will apply in some states for vapors. Arresting Australians for vaping is not the answer. Regulate vaping, just like tobacco and alcohol, for adults only. Now that I've told you that I bought an illegal vape, am I at risk of being prosecuted? No, no, you're not. I'm speaking with the Federal Health Minister, Mark Butler. You know, I've been very clear and other health ministers have been clear. uh, We're not about penalising users. We're not about penalising people who are buying these things. We're, We're about going after the suppliers. Whether or not the ads are true, what they show is that the campaign to legalise vaping is alive and well. The ad you heard before is just one example of a campaign currently underway. You also have Responsible Vaping Australia which has run a Facebook campaign primarily and digital advertising campaign about why we need to weaken Australia's vaping laws rather than strengthen them. This is Associate Professor Becky Freeman. She's a public health expert at the University of Sydney. But when you looked at those ads, they failed to declare who was funding them. Even Facebook's own rules say if you're going to fund a political ad on their platform, you must declare who is funding it. We complained about those ads, they got taken down. The next day, a new ad would pop up, slightly different text, slightly different images, same problem, no declaration of who was funding that. If you see these ads when you're scrolling on Facebook, you may not know where they're from. But if you dig a bit on the Responsible Vaping Australia Facebook page, It says, this page was created and is run by BAT Australia. So that's British American Tobacco Australia. British American Tobacco, or BAT, is one of the biggest cigarette manufacturers and sellers in the world. So why are they interested in vapes, which arguably are cigarettes' competition? I reached out to British American Tobacco, but they turned down my offer of an interview. They did send through a statement saying that through Responsible Vaping Australia, BAT consistently advocates for nicotine vapes to be regulated, and that regulations of this nature would allow the Australian government to control the market and reduce the demand for dangerous illegal products and prevent them from falling into the hands of children and teens. The thing I have been pulling my hair out about, trying to understand, is what big tobacco has to gain Mm -hmm. from the loosening of current vaping legislation. Sometimes people can be quite confused as to why on earth does Philip Morris or British American Tobacco care about vaping laws? But again, we've got to step back a little bit because this is a very complicated web these companies leave. And so in Australia, you have the major players in the tobacco industry. You've got British American Tobacco and you've got Philip Morris International, pretty much the two main players in this space. Right? British American Tobacco makes cigarettes like Dunhill and Lucky Strike. Philip Morris makes Marlboro. In other words, these are companies which traditionally have made their money selling cigarettes. And yet in recent years, they've started advocating for the legalization of vapes. Philip Morris International and BAT both manufacture disposable flavored, highly addictive vapes, and they sell them legally in other countries that don't have the same regulatory regime as us. In Australia, up until now, vapes have been sold in shops illegally using loopholes, which we spoke about in episode two. If you're Philip Morris of British American Tobacco, you can't just have your products sold on the illicit market. You'd be pulled into court, reputational damage. They want to be able to legally sell those same products here. And they can't do that unless nicotine vapes are legal 
as a consumer recreational good. They wanted to see Australians' vaping laws completely weakened and allow nicotine-containing vapes for general sale as a consumer good, as a recreational good. That's what they want. That's what they've been lobbying for. Lobbying. This is a word we hear all the time, especially when we talk about big tobacco. In this case, I think it's really important to stop and unpack what lobbying actually means, what it looks like. Luckily for us, I know someone who can help. Okay, Zara, we're doing this vape series and something Mm -hmm. that keeps coming up is the role of lobbying and lobbyists in Canberra. And I wanted to come to you to find out a bit more about this because you have a personal relationship with lobbying. Can you explain a bit to me about what that is? Sounds like I'm married to lobbying, but (laughs) I'm not. Um, In my previous life, I worked as a lobbyist. This is Zara Seidler, co-founder of The Daily Oz. And essentially, I think it can mean many things, but if I put it down to one thing, it is access and power. So as a lobbyist, you are hired by a company, a private company, and they hire you to help them get access to decision makers, so politicians. And through that, they get more power. You went into lobbying having worked for a politician. Mm. How kind of common is that relationship and how useful is it if you're a lobbyist? I mean, it was very common for ex-staffers to go work in lobbying. You essentially need to have access. That's what they're looking for, because otherwise they can do it themselves. These private companies have all the money in the world to spend, but you can't buy access. And so that's why they bring in external help to help them to get that access. So in this context, we are going to see legislation introduced this year to do with vaping regulations. Mm. So in the context of lobbyists, what might be happening at the moment in Parliament House? The role of lobbyists would be to map out who are the important people in this story. So it's not just the government who's introducing that legislation, it's also who they can expect to agitate against the legislation. People that might get in the way of that legislation passing or not passing. People in the opposition who might feel strongly either way as well. And just targeting like who are going to be the key influencers in this story. When you are taking meetings with Big Tobacco, what does that conversation look, look like and what kind of things Well, I want to know how about? the market works, right? Senator Matt Canavan from the Nationals is probably the most vocal supporter for legalising vaping in Parliament. And this is the other thing I find very strange. The government doesn't meet with Big Tobacco companies, which I find very strange because they take $12 billion of revenue from Big Tobacco. Senator Canavan is referring to the federal government's tax on cigarettes. And we have a massive, there's another related problem with illicit tobacco now. And uh, a lot of the conversations over Big Tobacco is how can we get rid of that market? Australia has signed a World Health Organization treaty, which sets out some limits on the way officials interact with the tobacco industry. This is to try to prevent the industry from influencing policy and reform. Tobacco companies are selling a legal product. They're a legal business. Um, why shouldn't we meet with legal businesses in this country? It doesn't mean I agree with everything they've done or agree with, with everything they do. I'm not a smoker myself. Uh, I don't like it. But, but so you're not talking I have to a, tobacco I, about how they can use the pathways they have to sell their no, business legally, not. for example. I mean, I don't even know who half these companies are half the time, and I certainly don't know much about their products. Senator Canavan says he's fighting against vape reforms because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, I had a few friends who vaped, and they contacted me and said, this will be terrible, like, what are we going to do? 
Uh, and I had a look at it and I thought, this is really bad. This is, a, this is why are we doing this? So I started fighting against it. That's why I did that. And, and people, I'm happy for anybody to question my motives or, or, or you know, question why or, or how I'm doing it. They can, they can do what they like. But I'd much prefer if we just had a debate about what's right and wrong. Do you feel like yourself and other members of the Nationals can fairly represent your constituents when your party is accepting money from big tobacco companies like Philip Morris? Yeah, yeah, absolutely I do. In the 2021 to 2022 financial year, the Federal Nationals Party accepted $55,000 from Philip Morris. Because, uh, I mean, we should have debates about the merits of our arguments, not, not the motives. Because two can play this game. I mean, the Labor Party takes a lot of money from trade unions. And it just happens that uh, right now they're introducing legislation which will help trade unions. Uh, I actually but the don't, trade I actually unions don't, aren't necessarily well, responsible well, for 20,000 well, people on, in Australia uh, dying every year from cigarettes. Well, hang on. I, I mean, well, I would, I would argue that actually it's the choices of people alone. It's a legal product. If we want to get rid of tobacco, we could ban it. If, if, if Is the that go, if government's, something you would advocate No, for? I don't. I don't think we should do that. But Why? If, if, because, if you're saying uh, that same reason, is... Same reason about vaping. I don't think it'll be effective. Um, but, but governments here are very hypocritical. They told me, the government senators, that I shouldn't even talk to big tobacco companies. Yet they're taking $12 billion a year in excise. Senator Canavan is referring again here to the federal government's tax on tobacco products. I mean, if anybody's addicted to nicotine, it's your federal government. They're raking in $12 billion a year from it. And I, I, I would suggest that a, at least a part of the reason the government is trying to crack down on vaping is they want to strip out more money from those people who smoke. Because the government right now, as it stands, make no money from vaping. But they make $12 billion a year from smoking. Why not crack down on cigarettes the same way you're cracking down on vapes? Well, we are, I mean, we are cracking down. Mark Butler is the federal health minister. We've, we've but they're still going the to be able to be bought at every supermarket in the country. Yeah, we've increased the price. We're, we're cracking down on those marketing arrangements. The government passed new tobacco reform through parliament at the end of last year, which will change the warnings on cigarettes and introduce new restrictions on more traditional tobacco products. Um, there's, there's not any, there's not any um, real regime around the world that, that simply seeks to to wipe out something that's been in place, unfortunately, for decades. We're taking a different approach to vaping. We've engaged very closely with the tobacco control sector, Cancer Council, so many other academics who've worked in this area for decades, literally. And the thing about vaping is it's so new. Like, it's really only been around for a few years in any significant numbers. It exploded through COVID, really. So we, we think there's still the ability to stamp out something before it becomes endemic through Australia. The reality is the, the evidence about the health impacts of vaping is still emerging. We know that over 20,000 Australians die every year from smoking. You don't think that's warranted to really have a conversation about cracking down on cigarettes in the same way and only selling them with a prescription? Well, I mean, the, 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 thing, the thing is we've seen those tobacco use rates just continue to slide over 50 years. And we've got them down to about 10% of the population. But what we're advised is without new control measures, we weren't going to meet that. The, the smoking rates were going to plateau at about 10%, which is far too high. So uh, that's why we've passed new laws through the parliament. We're determined to continue to drive that rate down, lift the price of the cigarettes, that's an important measure, but also stamp out these new marketing tactics from the industry. The reality is the government got their tobacco reform through parliament, and they're likely going to get their vape reforms through too. Isn't big tobacco mm. fighting a losing battle? The government mm. said they're going to be legislating strongly and cracking mm -hmm. down on vapes. Yeah. Why do they still push 
back on her phone. Yeah. Look, I don't want to simplify it too much, but at the end of the day, isn't it just about cash? There's a lot of money to be made in a highly addictive product that people could go on to use for decades. That was the business model for cigarettes, right? So if you're big tobacco, you don't just sort of roll over and die. You go, okay, uh, we've got a country like Australia, which is a world leader in tobacco control, and now also a world leader in vaping control. They set the tone for what other countries around the world will do. So even though we're a relatively small country, 22 million people, smoking rates are hovering around 11%, um, you think, well, that's not a very big slice of the tobacco industry's revenue, not a big slice of their global market. But what we do here has a domino effect and other countries adopt what we adopt. So they need to come in and squash really, I guess, progressive legislation because it has a, has a knack for catching on. How much of a role has Big Tobacco played in slowing the regulation of vapes up until now? And are you ready to fight that fight moving forward? Absolutely. I was in the last government as a health minister, uh, last Labor government more than 10 years ago, when we were the first country in the world to introduce plain packaging of cigarette packets and those graphic warnings you now see on the front of cigarette packets. They're now seen in dozens and dozens of countries around the world. But when we did that, the tobacco industry threw every lawyer they could find at us. They took us to court internationally. We fought for years defending that program. So I know through experience that when you put in place these regulations that are designed to stamp out essentially a strategy of big tobacco, They'll fight us because they've got a lot of profit to make out of the status quo. Remember right at the start of this series, I told you about the pharmacist in China, Hon Lik, who's credited with designing the first vape to achieve mass commercial success. The story goes he invented the vape to try quit smoking. Apparently, a decade on from inventing the vape, he was still smoking cigarettes. But here's the thing. While Hon Lik may have made vapes popular, Philip Morris has been working on designing something like a vape as far back as 1990. In other words, Big Tobacco has always had a vested interest in making vapes legal and commercially viable. We're going to have to wait and see how Big Tobacco responds to the government's vape reforms. The one thing that seems certain is that this is not the end of the story. This podcast was edited and written by me, Nina Copel. Joe Kiley was our producer. Billy Fitzsimons was our executive producer. And Lucy Tassel was our fact checker. Thanks for checking the facts, Lucy. My absolute pleasure, Nina. If you're hearing this, you've made it to the end of Understanding Vapes. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, if you learned something, if you feel like your friends could learn something from this series, pop it up on your Instagram stories. It really helps us keep doing what we're doing. Thanks, Lucy, for your work. And thank you for listening. Ready? And this is The Daily Oz. This is The Daily Oz. This is The Daily Oz. Oh, now it makes sense. 